Alright, creatures of the night, welcome to Talking Taker, episode 121 of our encyclopedic exploration digging up the career of the greatest professional wrestling character of all time, The Undertaker. And hey, that's not just us saying it, Stone Cold Steve Austin said it himself on the Broken Skull Sessions, the greatest character in professional wrestling history, and who are we to argue with Stone Cold? Thank you, all you creatures out there, for joining us for yet another round of Dead Man Talking. My name is Alex Dorio, and I am joined, as always, by my tag team partner, my wrestling buddy, my blood brother, Mr. Travis White. And Travis, we are here talking uh, talking about blood, uh, one of our favorite topics on this show. <laughs> We're talking about Undertaker <laughs> <laughs> and Mr. Kennedy, first blood match. And uh, Travis, you know, I, I know you're a big uh, comic book fan, comic book movie fan, uh, comic books imprint mm-hmm. fan. Uh, you know, are, are you a fan of Deadpool, Travis? I was a huge fan of the comics uh, back in the day. Love the comics, love the toys. Haven't seen either movie. Oh, you haven't seen either movie? I didn't realize that. Nope. Neither one. Well, I mean, you still know his nickname is like the Merc with the Mouth, right? Yeah. You've heard absolutely. that, of course, yes. Uh, I've oh, got yes. an idea for Mr. Kennedy. Uh, I think we should give him a nickname. And I say we christen him the Mark with the Mouth. Because, dude, this guy <laughs> is just hes just a jabron, man. I can't stand him. I'm so over him, dude. Well, lucky for you, we got this weekend next week oh, to cover him. <laughs> On a scale of uh, Giant Gonzalez to Heidenreich, where do you rank Ken Kennedy? Man, you know, like I... This is before we even talk about this stuff. Right. You know, I said last week, he's not... It's not the same problems that we had with Heidenreich or with Luther Reigns. It's just... Right. uh, I was trying to think of a way to describe this, but... and, And I know Kennedy, he started out in WWE, but... Man, this guy just screams TNA to me. Like, he's just, like, it's, mm-hmm. it's almost there. He's got, like, one thing that he does really well, but it just is not elite, dude. And, 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 like, they're pushing him in this feed with Undertaker like he's elite. And do you know what I'm trying to say here? Oh, yeah, I get it totally, man. It's Look at this and parallel it to Randy Orton, who was another young hot shot up and coming there pushing to the moon. I'll take that Randy Orton feud and Randy Orton's believability as hanging with Taker and even on the mic. I'll take that over this any day because Randy Orton has it. As much as I hated him back then, he had it. And King Kennedy, in my opinion, and I think yours, doesn't have it. No, he does. There's no substance there. He talks really loud and he has. Yeah. Uh, but that loudness is not personality and it's not character. And I think right. that's where. We got confused back then. That's where WWE got confused back then. And uh, that's why this stuff has just not aged all that well. Oh, my Aunt Carol talks loud, but she's got more as little personality as the couch I'm sitting on. Like, just doesn't matter. Like, I'm, just, I'm just saying. Travis shoots hard on Aunt Carol. <laughs> oh, crap. I do have an Aunt Carol. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! Anyway, 
Well, we just lost the, one of the our names followers. have been changed to protect the to protect the innocent <laughs> or guilty. Well, we'll leave Aunt Carol be. We'll, we'll bleep that out. And yeah. <laughs> you know, speaking of family, Travis, as we uh, get started here on this journey, we're going to take our time traveling, Hearst. Uh, You're all welcome. The, all the way back to uh, October of 2006 for this episode. Like I said, we're talking Survivor Series 06, Mr. Kennedy Undertaker in a First Blood match, the second in a trilogy of matches. Uh, we're going to take the time traveling hearse back to the night after No Mercy 2006 when Mr. Kennedy picked up an unexpected and controversial win over The Undertaker via disqualification at No Mercy uh, and, you know, still a feather in his cap uh, to get a big win over The Undertaker in any way you do it. And like I said, the night after No Mercy, we are actually going to do that. I stumble over my words sometimes when I say that, but we are actually going back to the night after No Mercy for a rare trip to Monday Night Raw, Travis, because we get to cover the Raw Family Reunion episode from October 9th, 2006 from Columbia, South Carolina, for two very noteworthy reasons. Number one being that The Undertaker's in the main event of this episode of Raw for the first time in years, taking on John Cena in an interpromotional match. And as if that's not big enough, Travis, we were at this episode of Raw, so we get to talk about that. Yes, we were, man. It was, uh, yeah, this was Raw Family Reunion, like you said, and uh, yeah, we got a, this was a spontaneous trip. That we did not plan, but this is our first raw together, so it wouldn't be the last. But it's uh, if it's the first one, you know what? It's fun that this was our first one we got to go to together because this was overall a pretty fun night. Absolutely, dude. They had hyped it up there for weeks. This was like their season premiere. Uh, I think they kept saying on there. Yeah, whatever that means. <laughs> <laughs> so they did the uh, the Raw Homecoming. We talked about last year when they switched over to the USA Network, and this was another one of those Legends reunion type of shows. And they've got all three brands on there. Mm-hmm. It's a big three hour Raw. So you know, like we've mentioned on here before, you and I. Uh, with some other friends, we would get together and watch Monday Night Raw every week, uh, usually at your apartment. Uh, so we were definitely planning on doing that. But as we've also talked about on here, we were part of this uh, youth ministry organization called Young Life at the time. And we got a call. Uh, we were talking about before the show. Uh, I think we landed on that was actually that day, that day of. We got a call from our area director. His name was Ogden. And uh, he called us up separately or texted us or something and uh, told us both to cancel our plans for that night he had he had something he needed our help with or needed us to come do right yeah and that was always uh iffy with him and oh by the way his name has not been changed to protect the innocent that is his name (laughs) yeah ogden so yeah that's not (laughs) that's not a rib but anyway yeah he would randomly ask his stupid stuff like that like oh i need to cancel what you're doing because i got a surprise and it would always be like a huge letdown or like you need to come talk to the committee members or something or do a little skit. Like, dude, I don't want to do that. So, yeah, I was actually at school. Like, I had class, I had an evening class or my education classes. I had it at, at school. And, uh, yeah, you guys came in. I think I left early, which I was not apt to do. So I was a little frustrated. But he said he needed our help with something. And you guys came pick me up from school uh, like you were my mother or something. And we got in the car. And I think that's when he told us what we were doing. <laughs> oh, yeah. We were both 
anxious about it, dreading it, kind of. Like, we love Ogden. Uh, you know, yeah. Ogden's, you know, yes. uh, he was a big influence on us, a great friend to us, a great mentor to us. But uh, we were honestly kind of dreading what he had in store for us here as a surprise. Yes. <laughs> and then we get in the car, and he says, boys, we're going to Monday Night Raw. <laughs> and we were just like... And, oh, I was saying, and he had no idea it was, like, such a special Raw. He, he just, like, saw us in Columbia. He's a Gamecocks fan. It's an hour away from our hometown. He just was like, pick this raw to take us to. He didn't know it was like freaking three hours, which back when it wasn't three hours, it was a special raw family reunion. He had no idea. So like, that's kind of funny, you know, that he had no clue. And he, man, he wound up having a good time this night. Oh, he we got, got to see a lot of legends and a lot of, a lot, a lot of cool things happen on this evening. So yeah, I'll let you talk about that. Yeah, he was, uh, I guess you could say, a lapsed wrestling fan. You know, he, he actually came over and watched Raw sure. with us uh, a few times. And uh, yeah. might have watched WrestleMania with us one time. I don't remember. But I know he watched Raw with us a few times. And, you know, he was he, he knew all the Attitude Era stuff. And even before that, you know, he knew, like, because yeah. he, he's a few years older than us. So, you know, he was into Hulkamania, I'm sure, back in the, the deep throes of Hulkamania. But, yeah, Jake man. Snake, Undertaker. Yeah. yeah, he knew all those guys. Um, so we actually got there, like I said, you, he didn't know it was a three hour show. So we actually ended up getting there a little bit late, uh, which we didn't, I mean, like we weren't upset. We didn't even know we'd be going to raw yes, that night. Free so, it was ticket, like, yeah. Yeah. so we got <laughs> there, um, Ogden bought the tickets at the box office that night. Just we, he, like, it was totally spontaneous and, uh, thank goodness there was some tickets available. Uh, but we were up near the top of, uh, is that the Bilo Center? What is that in Columbia? Cause that's Aiken. Colonial Life Center. I oh, think. yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, I think it's the Colonial Life Center. Uh, so we walked in at the in the middle of the opening promo where they had John Cena, Booker T, and Big Show, the world champions of all three brands, going against each other. And you know, they're about to face each other in a triple threat at Cyber Sunday, so this is hyping that up. But then all throughout the night, all three of those champions are going to face uh, big matches on this episode of Raw. And I remember Ogden was a huge fan of King Booker. <laughs> yeah. Oh, hell. <laughs> We'd say that for months <laughs> after months. this night. <laughs> he just he just calls me like, oh, hell. <laughs> yeah. He loved it. Uh, Ric yeah. Flair was in the house, and uh, Steve yeah. Spurrier was in the house, uh, so that made Ogden mm-hmm. very excited. Um, you know, I, I tragically though, Travis, I, I can't believe this. Out of all the shows we had to go to, we went to the one episode of Raw in 2006 where freaking Erwin R. Scheister, of all people on God's Green Earth, had to make an appearance. My least favorite wrestler of all time. How could this happen? Oh, man, that's that Flair versus Mitch match. He's got DiBiase, IRS, <laughs> Roddy Piper, and Arn Anderson, dude. Classic Flair versus Mitch match. <laughs> More like a myth match. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Remember, this was also um, this was the night that Papa Roach debuted the theme song. So, which I hate Papa Roach, but like that's iconic in my opinion. That's that's one of the raw theme songs that stands out to me. Absolutely. So I'll never forget it. That's probably yeah. that's probably a top Rated three RKO Monday Night Raw this night. Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Throw one in your eye and then that. So. Yeah. And the original. I gotta throw the original one, like '93 version. Oh, sorry. Yeah. No words. No. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But yeah, I, I, I pop. Going back to that Legends appearance, dude. When Arn Anderson's music hits and he comes out, 
He's yes. like the last guy on the Legends squad. Oh, man, I almost fell out of my seat yeah. from top of the arena right there. Oh, yeah, we were marking out huge. <laughs> Isn't this, is this when DX came out and they tried? To, they had the Gamecocks and they tried to make as many, like, Cox references as they possibly could? Most definitely. Because so, the Gamecocks and everything, so. And we yeah. loved it. So, I, I remember, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, we had a great time and uh, still one of my favorite uh just one of my favorite moments of our friendship and just uh, just a great memory oh, yeah. doing that. It was so awesome of Ogden to do that to uh, for us. Um, it's honestly, it's something uh, as I continued in ministry and just kind of continued in my life. Like I, I, I remember that night of him just surprising us with that mm-hmm. special thing of something he didn't even really enjoy all that much, but he just did it. Just, you know, no strings attached yep. just because he loved us and wanted to do something fun with us. And um, it's honestly like a, a very special moment for me that I that I kind of try to emulate in my life whenever I can. And I think about that when I try to try to do nice things for others. I think back to that night and be like, man, how can I how can I recreate that for other people? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And it's also just proof that wrestling brings people together, it man. Does, Even man. if you don't really love, dig it, you can go to a show and have fun, man. I promise you, my wife will never admit it. She had fun in NXT and those um, <laughs> those creepy little like uh, local shows I used to take her to in Nashville. She, I know she had fun at those, but yeah, you oh, can't not have fun at a wrestling show. You can't, dude. It's the great unifier. Yeah. And it is. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's what we just need. We just need everyone in the country to come together and go to WrestleMania. Exactly. Our country together. Yeah, I think for yeah the. Um, like voting next year, we just have a wrestling match. Like whoever wins, <laughs> wins the like electoral college votes. Yeah, throw Trump and Biden inside whole... Hell in a Cell. <laughs> we'll see what happens. <laughs> did you say? Did you say Champa and Biden? There's Champa and Biden in there. <laughs> Champa twenty twenty. <laughs> I literally thought you said Champa. You said Trump. <laughs> <No>. Sorry. Champa twenty twenty. I'll take it. I'll take it. Oh, man. man. One thing that I didn't take, man, unfortunately, Kane leaves. This was Kane's last time on Raw for a while. So It was. Yeah, that's an important thing to point out as he's going to start to be a part of this buildup here over on SmackDown. He loses a loser-leaves town match to Umaga, uh, as uh. Ogden called him, Umaga. <laughs> uh. <laughs> Umanga. <laughs> we ever told that story? Umaga? Uh, you, about how, why he said, oh, Umaga? <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> I don't think we did. So we went, this is another Ogden story. We went to FUD Records yeah. uh, after this weekend. We went camping, and <laughs> our friend Ogden and our friend Josh, they told the, uh, I guess the counter. They, they call your names out when your order's done over the counter there when your burger's ready at FUD Records, uh, a little burger restaurant yeah. in case people don't know what that is. Um, Josh told her the lady, I guess he spelled it out. His name was U M A G A. And when they said over the intercom, they yeah. said, uh, order ready for Umaga, uh, order ready for Umaga. He's <laughs> <laughs> trying to get him to say Umaga. And yeah. then, uh, <laughs> that's what he wanted. <laughs> they didn't get it. I believe Ogden told the lady his name was A S W I P E, and they pronounced it. Oh, he said A S S W I P E. A sweepy. A sweepy. And they said it over the intercom. 
<laughs> Order ready for a sleep day. Oh. Oh, good times. Uh, oh, good. Great. We did not have Thudwreckers on this night. We actually had Burger King, if I remember correctly. But I don't know why I remember that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm pretty positive, though. Uh, and I'm sure that... <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> God, I don't know how to tie that in. But uh, the Burger King, Jerry Lawler, and JR. Uh, JBL and Cole, they're all on commentary here for this main event. And uh, like we said, it's John Cena and Undertaker here. And Cole and JBL have an incredible back and forth where Michael Cole's talking about No Mercy last night or Undertaker, you know, he went crazy, Tombstone and Kennedy and Charles Robinson after the match. And Cole says he had never seen Undertaker act the way he did after the match at No Mercy last night. And then without missing a beat, JBL says, yeah, I know, typical Undertaker. I cannot recall a time of the Undertaker snapped the way that he did Last night at No Mercy, and it was typical Undertaker. <laughs> Just think about that for a second. Let that sink yeah. in. <laughs> well, it must have carried over from the night before, because remember they were all, they were out of sync at No Mercy. Damn. You know, they were terrible. So they must have had too much vodka uh, that <laughs> night or something, man. I don't know, or too much Fuddruckers. I don't know what it was, but yeah, they were. Yeah. I have so many commentary notes in my notes this week. I can't wait to get to them all. But, uh, you know, this match was fun. As I'll try to wrap this up. Uh, it was unfortunately one of those where, like, the entrances last longer than the match. But uh, it was cool to see these guys go at it again, uh, even if just for a few sure. minutes. Um, two of the best of all time. Uh, but the match is going to end when the other two champions, Big Show and Booker T., uh, interfere in the match. They cause the disqualification here, and then Mr. Kennedy runs out and immediately just gets a butt whooping from Undertaker, and he beats him up all the way to the back. And that's going to do it for the show. John Cena wrestles with uh, Show and Booker T for a little while longer. But yeah, man, the Raw family reunion, uh, special memory for us. A really fun episode of Raw. If you haven't seen it in a long time, it's a fun one to go back to, even if you weren't there in person. Oh, but, yeah. Yeah, one, uh, one of my favorite Raws of all time. Yeah, like uh, I don't know if I mentioned earlier. I think I tried to say about my started laughing, but rated RKO forms this night. Like yeah. it's pretty cool, like an in-ring segment where they form and just a lot. And it flies by. Man, I watched most actors doing this build-up, and um, it really flew by, man. Well, probably because there's no commercials on network. But that helps. Anyway, I, I digress. <laughs> it, it does really fly by though. Just it was just well written and well done. So, and again, seeing the champion versus champion versus champion at Cyber Sunday and anything with King Booker is always fun at this point. So. Well, that takes us to SmackDown uh, that Friday of October 13th, 06. And this the show opens with a recap of No Mercy. And they highlight how Kennedy used, as Michael Cole says, the Undertaker's own maneuver against him. Again, really? it was a regular old pile driver that the Undertaker only does on the steps. <laughs> like, he doesn't do that one in the ring at all. <laughs> True. We only see him do it on the steps. So <laughs> yeah. just what a moron. Like. I just I hate that they put that in the video package, like that comment. You know, usually they'll cut stuff like that out so right. that you just revisionist history. You know, but they didn't. <clears throat> so so you know we're starting off bad. So he's going to come out and JBL talks about how he's defeated four former world champions and Kennedy grabs the mic and says, you know, a month ago I politely asked Ted, Teddy Long to be transferred to Raw since I've beaten everyone here, but Teddy, you know, put me in. He said no and made me face the Undertaker. And no mercy, I defeated him. Doesn't matter how, but I did, which that's true. That's a true heel thing to say, you know. I'll right. give him that. 
But he says, apparently that's not good enough for Teddy because he won't grant me my release. And so he's decided to put uh, his U.S. title on the line against a man he's never defeated on SmackDown. So when I beat this man, I'm going to go to Raw no matter what. So then he calls out whoever it is, and surprise, surprise, it's the man who returned on Sunday. It's Chris Benoit. Returning here to SmackDown for the first time in several months. Yeah, and there's a... Uh, what does he say? What does JBL say when Benoit comes out? There's quite the moment on commentary. This is, <laughs> this is one of those that was not as bad at the time, but hasn't right. aged well as Chris Benoit comes out to face JBL. and uh, excuse, Chris Benoit comes out to face uh, Mr. Kennedy, and JBL sees Chris Benoit storming his way to the ring and says... Welcome to hell! <laughs> and I just... Mm. Whoops! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Might want to edit that one off the network. <laughs> uh, yeah, I really thought they would have. Yeah. You know, I... Whew, man, I heard that and I was like, yikes. Um, yeah, because... Yeah, we all know what happens in nine months. So, uh, yeah, that, that was a snafu that they should have edited off. Not unfortunate so. timing. In hindsight. <laughs> totally unfortunate. Well, this is a very long match. Um, a lot of matches on these day on these SmackDowns we're going to cover this month and next really go really long. Like there'll be like a twenty minute match in the middle. Yeah. Um, and it's not really great. <laughs> like <laughs> nowadays, you get twenty minute match. It's awesome, but like these were not that great. Cause They're just long. Can't, I don't care who you put in there, Benoit. Nobody's gonna if it's not Eddie or it's not Angle or you know like Edge or something like it's it's not going to be. A great 20-minute classic. But anyway, Kenny gets a bloody nose in it. We hear the, the King of Gong style interrupts the match. His music hits, and we see lightning and smoke. And uh, Benoit is not phased by any of this. He's impervious to The Undertaker's noise. But Kennedy's getting distracted like, you know, Wrestling 101. And Benoit just keeps German suplexing Kennedy while <laughs> Taker's music is playing, which I love it. Like, I love it. Yeah, he just, he just goes with it. He doesn't care. So... Taker makes his way out, and Kennedy, of course, gets distracted. And uh, Benoit is wearing him out, gets a cross face on, and Taker stares on as Mr. Kennedy taps here to lose the U.S. Excuse me, the U.S. title to Chris Benoit. So, and immediately afterward, Michael Cole says that Taker has vanished into thin air. So he's gone, I yep. guess. New superpower for the dead man here. Yep, vanishing into thin air. So, um, and JBL says. That the Undertaker should, or excuse me, that Teddy Long should be arrested and thrown in jail for what he's done <laughs> to Kennedy by putting him in this match. So that's, I don't know what ordinance that violates. It's a bit extreme uh, here. Yeah, a little much. But um, I'll tell you what, though, man. I'll tell you what, man. Kennedy had that title. Oh, go ahead. <laughs> we both say we're going to tell each other what. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> you go ahead. Say yours. I was like, Kennedy, he had this title for like five weeks and if i'm not mistaken he only defended it this time like i think his other matches against ray and finley i don't think they were title match but defended it one time and he lost so i mean it just shoddy you know shoddy u.s title run you know um i don't know but yeah. this night is the night that mvp makes his smackdown debut he debuted at no mercy in the ring against some jabron but he makes his smackdown debut and man i want to just talk about you know we talk about the undertaker and how his he gets production and his entrances and stuff and Tell you what, dude, this guy looks like a star from the second he comes out. MVP does. He does, man. And 
we've mentioned on here before we weren't really big <coughs> SmackDown watchers during this time. Uh, we watched Raw every week, yeah. but we weren't really into SmackDown. Uh, you know, we would see clips and stuff and see guys on pay-per-views, but I just remember reading about MVP for a few weeks before I actually ever saw him on TV, and you know, he it just sounded kind of goofy and cheesy and stupid, and he had the the Power Ranger costume that everybody yeah. chanted at him for, but. You know, watching this stuff back, um, I kind of I wrote this in my notes later on, but I I feel the opposite about MVP thirteen years later than I do about Mr. Kennedy. As in, I really liked Mr. Yeah. Kennedy back then, and now I can't stand him. And back then, I didn't see anything in MVP, and now watching it back, I'm just kind of really impressed with the guy and, and think he was kind of ahead mm-hmm. of his time and think it was a just kind of a brilliant gimmick at the time and uh you know just the entitled athlete deal like to um yeah. all these you know uh prima donna football players antonio brown nowadays all that sort of stuff Golly, yeah. man it's just kind I'll of say, nowadays this character would be on par yeah dude nfl i, I think yeah. it's kind of brilliant and and the, the whole production value is great and it's He's supposed to be obnoxious. His outfit is great because it's supposed yeah. to be ridiculous. Yeah. He's not Shorty G coming out like he's on the Monsters, you know? <laughs> like, God bless him. I love Chad Gable, but it's he should be – he'll be wearing that, you know? So, But I remember back in those days not being as big of an MVP fan, but kind of getting into him once I saw you, like, being into his entrance. He went, once he starts doing the balling thing, you know, the oh, shuffle, yeah. shuffle, shuffle, balling, like – I was like, you start doing it. I was like, oh man, that's kind of neat, you know, that little catchphrase. So that you actually got me a little bit into MVP. But yeah, he wasn't my favorite, but yeah, I do appreciate him more now than I did back then. But his storyline here with Teddy is copy and paste from Kennedy's. It's I'm not going to fight this guy. If I've beaten this and blah blah blah. It's the same storyline as King Kennedy, which may be why they wind up crossing paths. <laughs> yep, they are going to dovetail into each other here as we move on to. Episode or, or uh, SmackDown on t- October 20th here. MVP takes on The Undertaker's brother Kane and loses by disqualification after a Death Valley blow. And they're gonna, the brother's destruction and MVP and Kennedy are going to start dancing around each, o- each other here in the next couple weeks. But talked about MVP, here's another guy we haven't talked about much but is going to briefly intersect with The Undertaker is Gregory Helms backstage on this night of SmackDown. He's the Cruiserweight Champion and he is backstage with Matt Hardy. We talked last week about how those guys are having a uh, best of 70 series on SmackDown. Yeah. <laughs> best of seven months. Yes, every week, <laughs> man. And, uh, uh, Gregory Helms, dude, he's doing his best. Um, I, I mean, I love the guy. Uh, this wasn't my favorite. I mean, I mean, the Hurricane's always gonna be my favorite. Uh, Hurricane Helms, but you know, he was doing. This was you know pretty fun. He, he was trying hard to get something over here on SmackDown, but he was the heel cruiserweight champion. He's arguing with Matt Hardy and says he can beat anybody back, anybody on the roster. And Teddy Long interrupts. Uh, his ears perk up. And he ain't gonna stand for that. And says. Gary Helms can prove himself tonight by going one-on-one on one with The Undertaker. <laughs> he's, just, he's just like there. Whenever Undertaker needs a match, Teddy's, yeah, Teddy's your guy. He's there. He's there. He's there. He just pops up. There's some like good Teddy Long moments coming up here soon. <laughs> yeah. um, 
but yeah, man, Matt Hardy tells Helms he's a dead man walking tonight. And uh, Helms does make his way out later on for his death sentence with the dead man. He's selling it big time. He looks terrified and, and frustrated that he has to fight Undertaker tonight. And I might have exaggerated when I was talking about Raw earlier, but literally Undertaker's entrance lasts longer than the match on this night because he mm. just oh, yeah. squashes Helms. Helms doesn't get a lick in. Uh, until Kennedy's music comes on and distracts Undertaker for about half a second. But then Undertaker just mm-hmm. walks outside, beats up Kennedy, goes back <laughs> in the ring, and tombstones Gregory Helms for the win here. Yeah. Oh, and by the way, this is a Michael Cole tells this is a non title match. So just in case you're wondering, oh. Undertaker drops 200, sorry, 85 pounds backstage. Yeah, he didn't. Man. So. Another title. Like, what a moron, her. dude. <laughs> Another title he gets screwed out of. Yeah. I was like, of course it's a non-title match, you <laughs> idiot. Like, yeah, it drove me crazy. Well, Kennedy jumps Undertaker after the match and sends him packing. Uh, excuse me, Undertaker sends him packing and just stands tall over him as he is just absolutely dominating this feud at this point. Very reminiscent of his feud with Randy Orton where he just got over on Mm -hmm. the younger guy every single (laughs) week. Can't get his licks in on him. Uh, It's kind of ridiculous here. um, One other note on this episode of SmackDown. We talk about young guys debuting, MVP and Gregory Helms coming in. (laughs) Making a name for himself. Well, we've also talked about the uh, grizzled old vets coming in during this reign of SmackDown. It's this weird tale of two stories here with Tatanka, Finley, the Road Warrior, and now perhaps the most unlikely of them all gets a short run on SmackDown. <laughs> Dave Taylor of very brief WCW. I mean, he wasn't even big deal in WCW, but out of nowhere, looking all of... 57 years old comes in <laughs> to be William Regal's tag team yeah. partner. Uh, man, I remember watching him on Dozer Thursday Saturday night and just being, you know, liking the guy, loving, you know, loving what he could do. But, like, it threw me for a loop that he came back to SmackDown. And, like, you know, like you said, just as a as we, you know, tell Taker's story, but we tell the story of the business and WWE as a whole, like, they're filling up. It's it's embarrassing to me to look back at this and see how they're just plugging in these old, old guys that are that are. It's not like they're bringing back Sting <laughs> or like you know um, I don't know even like, like who am I thinking of from Dosey that would have been like Scott Steiner or like um, you know um, who could I, who, who else are we gonna who am I missing but just guys who are Canyon. upper echelon Canyon you know like. Bringing back somebody that can go and has some name to it, DDP. Like they're bringing back Dave Taylor, and um, I think if I, if my timeline's correct, I believe that this is a thank you to Johnny Ace. Like I'm pretty sure Johnny Ace is the one in talent relations at this point because he's the one that didn't want to sign CM Punk and hired the wrong one-legged wrestler. Of course. Yeah. So this is all him just dipping into his WCW history and just pulling these guys back in. Man, it's just weird. But then, you know, they were trying to recapture the lightning in the bottle they had with Finley because, I mean, those are basically the same guy in a lot of ways, Finley and Dave Taylor. And Finley, <laughs> yeah. out of yeah. nowhere, is having, like, this main event run on SmackDown. So they're like, oh, maybe we can, you know, lightning <laughs> yeah. can strike twice with Dave Taylor. And spoiler alert, it does not. 
Uh, although he does no. inexplicably compete in a ladder match here in a couple months at Armageddon. Just one of the <laughs> wildest, bizarre matches you've ever seen in your life. Yeah, just for that and plus what goes on in the ring. You're right. So, whew, nuts. But yeah, just the state of WWE is very strange at this point. You know, they're doing a good... They've, they've built up... And we've mentioned this. They've built up... You got Cena, Batista, Orton, and then you had like... Shelton and Charlie Haas, but those kind of fizzled out a little bit too at this point. Yeah, man. But other than those three guys, this is that extra wave of you got Miz coming in, seeing Punk's on, um, on ECW, and then you got all these random guys like Sylvester Turkai and oh, Elijah wow. Burke and yeah. Bobby Bobby Lashley, Casey James. You're gonna have Michael Stevens, like we were yeah. talking about. Again, guys that guys that in 2019 they're not calling for the raw family reunions you know mm. they're just not mm. they're, they're gonna call them the cenas the batistas and eventually they'll wind up in 10 years from now they'll call Miz back you know they'll call ziggler right. back yeah they'll call sheamus back but like these other dudes like they just they came they saw they didn't conquer and they left like it's just they don't leave a lasting impact on the history of wwe in my mm. opinion so no yeah. fault of theirs i mean i'm not blaming them i'm not criticizing them i'm just stating the facts so yeah, I think that's the biggest takeaway from this era is yeah, where are these mm-hmm. guys when you when you talk about the legends? They're just mm-hmm. they're not there. And some of that is WWE's fault, honestly, but a lot of that is these own guys. Like they just there's not a lot there. And it's that's why you know, it's so surprising you, the the fact that they're going to the well of Dave Taylor just shows you how desperate they are for stars at this point, which is so confounding as to how they end up right. booking MVP and Kennedy in the next few weeks. Like, uh, we'll get to it here. Right. It's just like, why would you do that to these guys when you need to be making stars? Exactly. So, well, speaking of that, you know, getting to the next week's uh, SmackDown is uh, actually, uh, yeah, I'm sorry, this is my turn. So it goes yeah. up. Yeah, MVP is starting out. He's in the trainer's room and he's supposed to have a no DQ match tonight with Kane, but he informs Teddy that he's gotten an, an intestinal virus. Which I just do. That's the most Vince McMahon thing I've heard. <laughs> you're gonna, you're gonna have a, an intestinal virus. Like I can just hear Vince saying that. You know, I'm surprised he didn't have him like, puke. Yeah, he doesn't just have like a stomach bug. He's got an intestinal virus. Of course, <laughs> God, dude. So he's got his thesaurus out that night. But anyway, he says he can't compete. Takes a call from his agent uh, in the meantime, and Ken Kennedy comes in and says that he wants Taker one on one tonight. You know, let's give the fans what they want, one on one with the Undertaker. And Teddy's a little surprised by this, and he says that you know good and well that the Undertaker isn't here tonight. So I guess he posts his like schedule. I don't know. Taker, like, <laughs> somehow Taker he's supposed to know that Taker wasn't there. And they got a logbook so, where they can all request but, days off. Undertaker's the first one to hit that book, dude. <laughs> And he will he'll scratch yeah. out other people's names too. It's like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, no. Tenure. I got tenure here. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, Teddy's like basically gonna kill two birds with one stone here and says, you know what you can do? You can take MVP's place and go one on one in a no DQ match with Kane. So, you know, still putting the hate on Kennedy. Yeah. So Kane and Kennedy are gonna go one-on-one no DQ match and uh, I do want to say the match is what it is it's a big lugging you know Kennedy Kane match it's what yeah. you might imagine I guess another so, long um, one yeah it's, it's, it's really long 
And JBL says that if Kennedy wins tonight, he might be the first person ever to defeat Kane and the Undertaker. <laughs> Which, no. Not, not even remotely true. <laughs> Hello, Triple H. <laughs> Hello. Shawn Michaels. Sorry. Like 30 you? other people. I don't know. Austin. Rock. JBL probably did. Yeah, Angle. <laughs> JBL probably, probably. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like. What is wrong with you? So, well, he does redeem himself though because on commentary, he calls Michael Cole a fruit booty. So oh, just, I loved it. Dude. Page out of Stevie Ray's book. <laughs> now you want to talk, about, dude? If Mauro Ronaldo can't commentate on NXT anymore, I would say we pull <laughs> Stevie Ray. I hope Stevie Ray would come on. I hope Stevie Ray. Had not watched WWE in 15 years. I would love for that version of Stevie Ray to all of a sudden come do yeah. commentary. <laughs> and know nothing about the product. That's what I want to see. He'd be like, he'd be like JR in New Japan. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> like, what? <laughs> I'm here for it. Anyway, I'm here, but anyway, well, MVP gets involved in this match and um, he comes out and he gets K in the knee with a ch- chair and kennedy winds up pinning kane as mvp actually helps hold kane down so you know they're working together to tackle the big man here and uh jbl tells us at this point that kennedy now has a victory every world champion on the smackdown roster so you know that is pretty cool you know it's not the um it's the same it's in the same vein as randy orton seeing all all the people he's defeated but he's not the legend killer but it's the same kind of you know this young up-and-comer this brash kid uh um big win so i do appreciate that as far as his story goes but that's about all i appreciate about this stuff so oh man teddy's gonna come out later and tell us that next week we're gonna get mr kennedy and mvp versus kane and the undertaker so um tag team match against the brothers of destruction which will be the first time in like five years that that we've had them team up together that's kind of crazy i know but teddy's even more excited though than that because he tells us Immediately oh. after that, that tonight we're about to have ourselves a Divas trick-or-treat battle royal. And I believe, uh, I quote here, he says, let's get them Divas out here. Holla, holla, holla. <laughs> <laughs> Only one thing Teddy loves more than the Undertaker. To do this. That's the Divas, baby. <laughs> yeah. Dim, dim Divas. <laughs> dim Divas. Oh, man. That's, That's great. That's a shirt right here. Let's get them divas out. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, you know there's a few people I would love to interview on I this think show. The Sandman might wear that shirt. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> there's a few people I'd love to interview on this show. One is Dennis Knight, uh, one is The Undertaker, and one is Teddy Long. I want to okay. have Teddy Long yep. on that show. <laughs> In that order. In that order. Yes. Dennis Knight first. <laughs> first, first and foremost. <laughs> God, he's having so much fun, uh, man. There's a table for three. It's been out a couple weeks. It's, it's Teddy and JBL oh, and Ron Simmons. It. Um, it's a pretty interesting watch. Most Did definitely. you watch it? Yeah. yeah of they course. just kind of rag on Teddy the whole time, man. <laughs> it's great. <laughs> yeah. Poor guy. He's like 20 years older than them, but he can't get a word in. They just oh, keep crapping on him. He don't so. care. <laughs> he's just no, there for he the free meal. <laughs> yeah. So. 
Well, we get this historic SmackDown match as we keep rolling towards Survivor Series here. Uh, November 3rd on SmackDown. Uh, that is going to be a big match on this episode. Brothers of Destruction against MVP and Kennedy. We get the graphic for it. We see Kennedy and MVP talking strategy backstage, and they can't quite get on the same page here. They're both cocky and overconfident heels, and uh, neither one of them can decide who's going to take the lead here. Uh, so they make their way out for the match. Uh, Kane and Undertaker come out next. The Brothers of Destruction, uh, like Cole said last week, it's going to be the first time they've been on the same team together all the way since Survivor Series 2001, which probably was not what I would have guessed. Wow. But, man, wild to mm-hmm. think that five years have gone by without them being together. Yeah, that's crazy. I, mean, I had to go back and think about it, too. Just like, man, I guess that's... Because I mean, we cover five years pretty quickly here, but, like, I guess we haven't had them team up again, you know? Because yeah. since Taker's been back, he's been the dead man, you know? And they really have kind of been on... They were on the same show for a little bit, but, you know, they really haven't done too much interacting, so... Yeah, and they've been on separate pages when they, when they have interacted, so... Fun yeah. to see them get back on the same page here. And they are getting put over by JBL on commentary. He's saying these are the only two guys that the APA were ever afraid of was Undertaker and Kane. And, you know, then says that these guys are so dominant, they got rid of Kane and DDP, and the wrestling world owes them a debt of gratitude for doing that. <laughs> hey, what's that about? What a jerk. <laughs> yeah, I know. What a, what a jerk thing to say. But two of our favorite guys DDP. right there. Yeah, I know. Who better? Who better? <laughs> Certainly not JBL here. As uh, Again, the story of this match is going to be Taker and Kane absolutely dominating these young rookies here <laughs> to the point where AVP and Kennedy just decide to walk out and get counted out of this match. But General Manager Teddy Long, he ain't having none of that play. He's getting his money mm-hmm. worth of Undertaker competing because he knows it doesn't happen every week. <laughs> And stops these guys, says, where the hell you two think you're going? <laughs> I'm ordering this match to be restarted with no count outs. Uh, so we go to commercial, come back. Uh, Kennedy and MVP are trying to psych themselves up to get back in the ring. So they decide to run down the aisle together and jump back in. But Kennedy actually stops short and hangs MVP out to dry here. So this was really, really start to see the tension between Kennedy and MVP begin right here in that moment. And uh, leaves MVP to fend for himself for a little bit. Kennedy gets back in the ring and gives Kane a Death Valley blow and gets his team disqualified here. And you out there listening, if you haven't seen this, you can probably guess where this is about to go, and you're exactly correct. Mm-hmm. Teddy Long comes out again. He ain't having that either, playa, and says this match is going to be restarted as no DQ, no countout. And so Taker and Kane start wrecking MVP and Kennedy in the hallway. (laughs) They're actually like taking turns, doing splashes, and like trying to one up each other on these guys, just picking these guys apart. I love that part. Oh, it was hilarious. It was fun. It felt like a house show. And that would be my only complaint with it. Perfect. I was going to say that. Right, yeah, that too. Yeah. Yeah. It felt like a house show, but that so shouldn't have been played out on TV like that. So. Exactly, because uh, Kenny MVP get a little bit of offense, but then Taker and Kane hit stereo choke slams, and then Taker hits a tombstone on Kennedy for the win here. And this was very fun to watch, out of context. Uh, the crowd was loving it. 
Uh, yeah. But it should have been either a house show match or a dark match after the show or the end of this yeah. feud because there's no reason for it to continue after this. Brothers of Destruction mm. just made these two young guys that you're trying to make into the new phases of SmackDown look like absolute jabronis, man. And it just kind of sucks. Uh, you know, I, I don't feel that bad for Kennedy uh, <laughs> going back in time, but it's, right. just, it's just a weird booking decision to put that on TV at this time. It really is, man. And you could definitely, you know, some people at this point in Taker's career, they talk about him burying people or holding people down. You could see, I don't think this was his creative choice, but you could see, right. like, if you were a fan of these two young guys, like, yeah, they really aren't getting off the ground very much right here until you got the Brothers Destruction just squashing them, you know? Like, um, like you said, it was definitely a house show match, but while I was on TV, I don't know. But, yeah, where do you go from there? Um We'll try to go to next week's SmackDown. This is November 10th, 06, and uh, Teddy's in his, his office, and MVP comes barging in, and I just want to make a note. He's got MJF scarf on. <laughs> I told you. He's ahead of his MJF time, dude. Wears. He is, man. So MJF wears that scarf now, but, yeah, Teddy was way ahead of his time. So, But Teddy, um, Teddy's kind of mad because he he's like, you know, you're interrupting me. I'm trying to sit down here and watch See No Evil on DVD. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Teddy, oh, check this out, man. I need you to straighten me by sex. Excuse me. I am going to straighten you, Blair. Now, I don't believe I heard you knock. 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 Well, now knock. I'm about to sit down and watch Kane's new DVD, See No Evil. Man, you've seen that already, man. I, hey, already you I know that, Blair. But there are scenes in this DVD that were not in the movie. And this ain't even out yet. Man, so man, I was watching it, okay? That's what I need to discuss with There were scenes on TV last week. That nobody should have seen. I want to see the deleted scenes, player. There's extra scenes on here. We're in the, in the theater. Stay long. He's chilling this DVD, but you know he's telling the truth. He's in the middle of the show that he's the general manager of. He's like, bump all that, man. I got my fresh copy of Cino Evil on DVD. I got to watch that bonus features, baby. <laughs> I gotta watch the director's commentary. <laughs> I ain't watching no big video match. I'm watching <laughs> gag reel from Ceno <laughs> Oh man. I love Daddy well, Long so much. It's so good. Well MVP says that there were some scenes last from their week their match last week that should have been deleted, so I like the way that he played off that. But yeah. he says, you know, I've been in street fights easier than that match last week. And Teddy's like, Oh yeah? Have you? Well how about we got a street fight between you and Kane next week. So that kind of backfires on him. <laughs> so, And then later on, Mr. Kennedy makes his way out for a promo. And Michael Cole says that earlier this week on WWE.com that Kennedy called out Taker for a match at Survivor Series. So, again, this was before social media was really big. And, the, again, this is still before smartphones. So everybody didn't have everything at their fingertips. You had to get your laptop out or... There were no tablets, you know, really readily available. So, um, you know, they were trying to push the WWE.com stuff. You got exclusives and stuff like that. So I do appreciate that. But it definitely dates this stuff. And it's how funny it is to watch. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> and see yeah. them show that stuff. And yeah. MVP <laughs> getting out his flip phone every time he walks out there, oh, too. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's funny. But anyway, um, Kennedy reminds us that Taker debuted at Survivor Series 16 years ago. And he's had over a decade and a half of destruction, which is impressive. But Kennedy is more impressive than that'll ever be. He says, never before in WWE history has there been a wrestler that has defeated four world champions. Which, 
I mean, that can't possibly be true. And, I was going to say, yeah, and also, that's not true. <laughs> so, um, but, yeah, I, I, anyway. I, I really enjoy JBL on commentary a lot of these times, and he, he does a lot of great stuff, but he is, I realize now he's the king of just throwing out absolute baloney, like statistics and facts, and just trying to push them through mm-hmm. here on oh, these yeah. episodes. like. No, no one's ever defeated Undertaker and Kane before. No one man has ever done that. Like, what are you saying? Right. <laughs> right. He says that um, he's become bigger than SmackDown itself, and uh, Taker got in his way as he tried to move over on a Raw and go take it to new heights, and he's not going to let Taker ruin his legacy before he gets a chance to get it off the ground. He's calling him out and wants him to answer his challenge for Survivor Series. And- In 1990 at Survivor Series... Your career began in 2006 at Survivor Series, and you can mark my words, you can count on it, your career will end. And I literally thought he was going to say rest in peace yeah like if there's ever a time to capitalize <laughs> on that that was it like he even paused and everything and i was just like come on man like that was it that was a softball you could hit a home run with it but i wonder if i take it told him no can do pal don't don't, don't right. use my catchphrase yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't work for me bro yeah, yeah. i can <laughs> yeah. see that so well <laughs> Well, Taker um, isn't coming out and answering right away, so T- Kennedy's repeatedly calling him out, and his music finally hits, and Taker comes and makes his entrance out, and uh, JBL says that he can't believe the audacity that Mr. Kennedy has for throwing down the punk card for The Undertaker. So, oh, yeah. again? Yeah. <laughs> Got it, man. Love it. Punk card coming back into play. I tell you what, JBL is going to have a deck full of punk cards, uh, or Kennedy is, these next couple weeks. So <laughs> we're going to hear out. that term a lot yep. this week and next week. Yeah. So um, the punk card, and Taker gets in the ring, and they kind of face off, and Kennedy uh, attacks him with the mic that's hanging, you know, and hits him with a Death Valley blow, and just keeps beating Taker with that, you know, Kennedy hanging mic, and Taker's busted open now. He's bleeding, and Kennedy just beats him and beats him and beats him over the head with that microphone and starts talking trash to him and uh, drops the mic for a minute and then starts uh, going to leave as a crowd chance for Taker. And he's, Taker sits up and they stare down. And um, Taker kind of struggles to get up, but is trying to sell that beat. And he's a, he's a bloody mess. But um, I do appreciate that they're doing something, giving Kennedy a little more of an edge here because he's finally doing something physical. You know, and he looks... He does wind up looking good here, you know, uh, beating, getting one over the Undertaker and leave him in a bloody heap. So I'll take that for what it's worth. I agree with you. Yeah, we've crapped on Kennedy this whole night, but this was a good little angle uh, here. Good way to get some yeah. heat on Undertaker. Uh, he's using his microphone, which is his whole gimmick, and uh, he, yeah. looks, he looks like a tough guy. He looks like an actual competitor, so it kind of makes up for a lot of this other stuff. And he d- it sets up uh, our match here that we're going to have, the first blood gimmick here. Um, although, JBL, I have to point out yeah. this ridiculous but thing. J- he says, <laughs> yeah. he's like, oh my God, when was the last time we've seen The Undertaker bleed? And, John, that would be 
<laughs> two months ago, the Punjabi prison match that you were at ringside for, you moron. <laughs> I mean, I get it. I would like to forget that also, but it was not that long ago, pal. Yeah, it wasn't that long ago. So, yep, <sighs> how quickly things are forgotten. So. Well, we can't quite forget about this yet. We can't quite put it behind us. It's it's a bit of a long build here. We got two more weeks uh, stuff to talk about. Uh, we'll yeah. try to get through it here. Uh, and this is November seventeenth, two thousand six. You can tell where they are tonight because there's a Aston Martin and a phone booth on the stage. So we must be in England tonight. And we're gonna in be- my six. <laughs> we're gonna be getting MVP and Kane and. A Thanksgiving address from Mr. Kennedy tonight. And that's the big things that we get to be excited about, I suppose. Uh, Teddy Long, however, still excited about his See No Evil DVD. Because he he meets up with the movie star himself, Kane, backstage. And he tries to give him a pep talk for his match tonight. And says, your street fight with MVP is going to be just like your DVD, See No Evil. You can just go do your own thing out there, Blair. <laughs> World's biggest see no evil fan, Teddy Long, dude. <laughs> he watched that DVD every he loved night. It. Yep. <laughs> oh, man. Well, Kennedy, uh, <clears throat> he's going to give his <clears throat> quote unquote Thanksgiving address tonight. It's uh, another one of his AC Slater style promos sitting backstage, uh, yeah. backwards in a chair, uh, stroking his own microphone. And uh, he talks about being the savior, <laughs> the savior of sports entertainment, the future of SmackDown. Says that this is his yard now, and he's got the proof. Uh, holds that microphone up, turns it around, and you can see it's still got Undertaker's blood on it. Which I gotta say, that's a nice touch too. I like that. Very heelish. Sure. Um, I like the continuity there. I appreciate that. And again, like we said, this is setting up Kennedy and Undertaker in a first blood match at the pay-per-view. And Kennedy says that the decade of destruction is going to end at Survivor Series. Which Mm. I believe technically ended about six years ago because (laughs) he's actually been around for 16 years. A little bit more than a decade of destruction, pal. Oh my god. Yeah, he is from Green Bay. You know, he got too much cheese, man. Right. He didn't focus on math. I get I that guess. it sounds good, but we're long past the decade of destruction here. Underselling the dead man. Uh, so later on in the night, Kane and MVP are going to have their street fight later in the show. And huh, Michael Cole asked JBL, you know, the guy who used to play baseball with the brick bat, Travis. He asked him, "Yeah, how do you prepare for a street fight with Kane? JBL's answer was, I don't know, maybe you go hit, get hit in the head with a lot of baseballs. <laughs> That's how you prepare <laughs> for a street fight. <laughs> hey, just hit yourself in, some, in the head with some baseballs. Oh, I don't, supposed to be like Happy Gilmore and go to the batting cage and just stand there? <laughs> maybe the opposite. <laughs> I don't think JBL knows how to play baseball. <laughs> so, or what to play baseball with. No. Oh my god, uh, they're killing me, man. Um, and this match killed me. Another long match here. Uh, Kane's pretty dominant. He throws MVP through that phone booth on the outside. And, um, you know, it's kind of fun. MVP gets bloodied up here. And Kennedy interferes with the same microphone he used on Undertaker last week. 
And they uh, Kennedy and MVP double team Kane with the ring stairs, and that allows MVP to get the win here. But the bell tolls, Undertaker storms out to make the save, and Kennedy and MVP run away out of the ring. Undertaker stares them down, and then Kennedy once again shoves MVP into the ring and runs away, allowing the Brothers of Destruction to pick apart MVP with a double choke slam. And Kennedy kind of does like a fake out, like he's going to run back in there, but then backs off, uh, which is good heel tactic. I appreciate that. And mm-hmm. then later in the night, Teddy Long checks in on MVP in the trainer's room and lets him know that his misery is not going to end because next week he's going to have a rematch with Kane inside a steel cage. Church! Ah! You can't do it, man! Yes, I can't, Blair. Church! Ah! Which is Teddy Long's catchphrase that is not as well remembered. Did you say that more than this? I just oh yeah. Like, you got a steel cage match, Kane. Church. It's like uh, you know he started saying "bleed at." That was later on, but yeah, the first yeah. incarnation was church, man. Like that's a fact. Get with it, man. Preach it. All right. He said it last week to William Regal. When he was uh, okay. Chiding him for horse playing in the hallway. <laughs> I was too busy laughing at that comment. <laughs> oh, he's, he said it, man. Oh, love it, man. I'm going to start saying it, it. too. I'm going to start saying that. That's right. <laughs> Church. Church. <laughs> well, this takes us to SmackDown November 24th, which is the go home show for the Survivor Series. And as Bret Hart would say, and um, MVP is going to defeat Kane inside the steel cage. And um that's the opening of the show i mean so anyway but we see the kennedy is uh, gonna give his thanksgiving address tonight so um yeah i don't know i was expecting like him to come out with like giblets and gravy or like a gravy bowl i thought they were gonna have something stupid like that you know uh not just stupid as kennedy coming out but something else additionally or like a food fight or something so don't diss the gravy bowl man <laughs> sorry don't yeah. hit on the gravy yeah, bowl. yeah let's have you and me in a group gravy ball don't hate the gravy hate the i don't know anyway uh so yeah backstage kennedy apologizes to mbb for last week and uh he says you know it paid off and you, you know he won tonight so tonight's about giving thanks and i'm going to give thanks to the undertaker so later on kennedy comes out uh for his thanksgiving address which is simply a promo that's it nothing thanksgiving about it nope, no no pilgrim hat no no, no head <laughs> No, nothing. You know, just just talking. That's it. So, no, he says, I need everyone here to shut your little sewer holes. And I'd love that. <laughs> love that. That was a good line. <laughs> yeah. uh, I'm not going to lie, man. I was hitting the skip 15 seconds ahead button on this promo, dude. I binged all this build oh, up. No. Like, oh, no. last night, I was trying to blow through it. I was behind i needed to get to the match and i was just like i can't take another 10 minute king kennedy promo dude he was, was killing me and i was just oh, i'm just over yeah, this well, guy man yeah i get it man well i'll give you the 15 second skip ahead so basically he says he's going to defeat taker in two days in the first blood match give thanks to him for defeating taker back at no mercy get a little video recaps of stuff from this happened and he thanks himself for having the guts to tell the truth uh, we see the video from where he says decade and a half destruction are over. It's his yard now. Taker did nothing after all of this stuff. Recap of him, Bloody and Taker. 
and he calls himself the future of sports entertainment. And then Taker's music kind of hit, and the lights are out, and Michael Cole just goes, "Oh my, oh my, oh my, oh my!" Oh my. <laughs> like I don't know, he's just salivating at the appearance of the Undertaker. Like we haven't seen him in a decade and a half or something, right. you know. But anyway, he actually appears behind Kennedy when the lights come up. So when he turns around, Kennedy jumps out of the ring immediately. Taker begs him, to, or excuse me, he begs Taker to get in the aisle with him. And then Taker, who's got his, like, Garth Brooks, Britney Spears microphone on, has no mic in his hand at all, but he just says, Survivor Series, First Blood. And, like, you can hear it. He's got no mic. So I guess we haven't seen him do that since, like, the ministry days, have we? Yeah, I don't think so. Yeah. We did it a few times when back then. talks were like, with that. Yeah, a couple times by then. Speaking of the ministry, so at this point, Kennedy has made his way up to the aisle way, and we're going to bring back something from the ministry, like the gangrel bloodbath, because all of a sudden there's a few drops of blood dropping on Kennedy, and then a whole bunch of blood just fall or red liquid, whatever, uh, <laughs> right. falls on him from above. <laughs> and... Just contrary to what anyone in this position would do, if he's falling on you, you would step to the left, step to the right, step forward, or step back. You have several directions to step in. He just stands there until the entire bucket covers him. And it's not. And it takes 40 seconds. I mean, it's not like it all splashes like carry and he's just covered. It's like coming and coming and coming and coming, and he just stands in it. And I'm just like, dude, that's stupid. Oh, uh, was it stupid or symbolic? Because Michael Cole in commentary oh, yeah. starts screaming, is this symbolic of what could happen at Survivor Series? Uh, you think? Yes. <laughs> you think that could possibly be what's happening here? <laughs> oh, man. It it's was literally the only thing it's symbolizing. Yeah. You know, they were big into having people dump stuff on people from the ceiling this time. Like DX dumped oh, yeah. uh, manure on Spirit Squad and... I feel like DX dumped paint on the Spirit Squad, too, and now we're getting bloodbath on Kennedy. He's uh, real into that during this period of time. Yeah. Well, that takes us to the Survivor Series, man, so we're finally here. Oh, what so, a way to write it. It's been a while, too long to get there. here, but we're here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so. Yeah, dude. Survivor Series 2006, November 26th, from the Wachovia Center in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, home of extreme... ECW, and ECW is going to be represented on this show, but not in the best ways. Uh, and uh, I think we right. differ on this show, man. I don't think I've ever seen this one in full. I don't remember this match at all. I remember the Team DX and Team RKO match where they just absolutely squashed those guys and Shawn Michaels super kicks Mike Knox. And it's like, who is that guy? I've never seen that guy before. Uh, mm-hmm. But I don't remember anything else from it. Clean sweet, man, over this. Well, I know I've seen, and I may not have seen this match. I know I've seen that match, and I know I've seen the Flair, Dusty, Ron Simmons, Sergeant Slaughter match or whatever. You know, like I've seen those two. Yeah, because that's right. Flair's team faces Spirit Squad, and DX team faces Raider RKO. So, yeah. But um, I don't know. I know I remember those two matches very vividly, but I don't know that I've seen the rest. I could have rented it and then just literally only watched those two. I mean, honestly, I don't remember this at all. Or anything else on it, but I do remember specifically watching those two matches, especially just being excited for, dude, 
you got Shawn Michaels, HBK, or, uh, his HBK, excuse me, Shawn Michaels, Triple H, Matt and Jeff Hardy, and CM Punk. Like, talk about five of my favorite guys at the time. Man. Like, it was awesome, you know? That was great on one team. Dude, so. it, that is one of the most stacked Survivor Series teams you'll ever hear about. Right mm-hmm. there, and, uh, yeah, this is our first official tri-branded pay-per-view because we got Raw SmackDown and ECW, so that's kind of neat. But the opening video here highlights the 20th year Survivor Series, and uh, we basically the only matches they really highlight are the traditional Survivor Series matches, those two we just talked about, and Taker and Kennedy. So it's basically the third most important match according to the you know promo. So. Yeah, it is, and uh, we're gonna get some promo time with the uh, the mark with the mouth, Mr. Kennedy, talking to Crystal Marshall <laughs> backstage, and uh, Kennedy looks a little weird here. Looks a little, he's like glowing and glistening, and he got like some goop on his face. MVP interrupts their promo and points out the big pile of goop on Kennedy's face, and Kennedy confirms <laughs> that it's Vaseline, and he says. Oh, what's, what's all this stuff on your face, man? It's Vaseline. I'm gonna get it help me out. That's what boxers use. Um, okay. Sure. Like, I mean, I know, like, I watch UFC and I watch boxing, so I yeah. know, like, the trainers will put Vaseline on there to make it harder to open up a cut on there, but they didn't, like, explain that for anyone who might not watch UFC <laughs> right. and boxing. Yeah. Kennedy's just like, right. that's what boxers do. Like, right. what? Yeah. <laughs> it's so it's stupid. not a boxing match. No. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <It's the first laughs> match. Killed me. Yeah, he should have he had one more sentence. You know, it's what boxers do or, like, to prevent cuts or something. You just add something else on there. You yes, know? exactly. So, whatever. Just a little bit, a little bit extra. It would have been great. So, but, um. Yeah, MVP and him kind of talk about the fact that they've – MVP says, you know, you throw me into the Brothers Destruction twice, but I'll let it slide. And, you know, I've got your back tonight if anything goes wrong out there. So um, we got JBL and Cole on commentary. Oh, I wanted to mention too, this was just, I do remember this as Lita's, Lita's final match, quote-unquote, against uh, – golly, was it Trish? No, Trish already retired. I don't yeah, remember who she it was against, but it was before. Lita's final match. I remember her. Yeah, so, yeah, final in quotes because nobody ever is – finally over but man can you give us the rules of this match uh, Tony Chimmel is going to tell us Tony Chimmel does give us the rules and that is that there are no rules except for the rule <laughs> that the first to bleed loses which seems like a rule but there you go whatever I'm not going to argue yep. with Tony Chimmel legendary announcer oh, uh, I will argue with Michael Cole who says it might be back to the future here for Kennedy in this match because I've seen Back to the Future, Travis. I've seen the whole trilogy. And I have no idea on earth what Michael Cole could possibly mean by that sentence. How is it going to be Back to the Future for Kennedy? What is he going to do has anything to do with Back to the Future on this night? Please explain it to me. I don't know. I don't know how he's gonna. This has nothing to do with back to the future. So, unless they're gonna change his name to Kennedy P. Keaton or something like that. <laughs> I think Cole just heard JBL talking about Jurassic Park and Godzilla every week, and just trying to throw yeah. some movie references in there. Yeah, yeah. I literally, I was like, what? What does that even mean? Back <laughs> to the future? Like, uh, I don't, I don't get. Because I'm all about some movie like puns and quotes and stuff. Oh, I, I dropped like 400 of them last week. So, but yeah. Well, 
this this I, I will give this as much crap we've been giving Kennedy. I do appreciate what he's going to do here at the beginning of this match. So he he comes out first and doesn't get on his his mic. You know, um, he he starts untying the top turnbuckles of two of the turnbuckles or two of the turnbuckle corners. And uh, I really loved that as a heel man. Like as a heel move, if you're in a first blood match, I cannot recall ever seeing that. I may have, but like that's really smart. I thought, you know, whoever told him to do that, I guarantee he didn't come up with it. Whoever told him to do that, kudos to you, man. I agree. That is a great touch. It's like one of those things we used to always talk about. Undertaker, when he'd have a really intense feud, he'd go meet guys in the aisle way and just start fighting with them right there. Yeah. Because it, that makes sense. That's logical. And Kennedy, the guy trying to prove himself, trying to do everything he can to beat Undertaker, Makes it. Why not just go untie all the turnbuckle pads and make it easier to bloody this guy up? It's a great move. Uh, really well done there. As uh, Kennedy does do his entrance, he announces himself on the microphone after he yeah. unties a couple pads. And then we get another great pay-per-view style entrance for The Undertaker. Lots of smoke and lights and looks great on the Survivor Series set as JBL again talks about the punk card that Kennedy threw down to the Undersaker, as JBL calls him on commentary. <laughs> the audacity of Kennedy. He has actually called out the Undertaker, threw down a punk card to the Undersaker, and told him, bring it on. <laughs> Thank you, I noticed Bradshaw. that too. <laughs> the Undersaker. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, they have a rough I night tonight, know. man. Yeah, it's been a rough couple weeks here. But Cole does remind us to take her debut as part of DiBiase's dream team 16 years yeah, ago. Yeah, they play up the history. I do appreciate that, you know. That's good. Yeah, but Taker brings the lights up and finishes his entrance. And as he does, Kennedy, in a good heel fashion, kind of bails to the floor, kind of gets out, you know, waiting for letting Taker have the ring uh, as he, you know, pretends to be scared. So I appreciate that. That was good. Uh, I, I just want to say, too, Undertaker looks in phenomenal shape, man. Like this, oh, yeah. This oh, run, yeah. I think, uh, 06, 07, is probably the best shape he's ever been in his career. Uh, just looking back at it, dude. He's trim, but, yeah. but like, really ripped. Like, he, it looks incredible. He's spelt. He is, man. I'll say. Uh, he, <laughs> like you said, Kennedy bails, and Undertaker stalks him to the outside. Kennedy tries to run away and runs back into the ring, but Undertaker just no-sells a bunch of Kennedy's punches and then takes Kennedy down with one punch and is pretty much going to dominate him for the next five minutes. Yeah, he, he really does. He Hitting his head against the announce tables, punches and uh, in the chairs of the announcer. He like Yeah, he sits him in the chair, announcer chair and starts punching him and hits his head off the steps on the outside. Just a lot of that stuff. Knocking him, he actually knocks him over the barricade, headbutts him twice. Again, I really do appreciate the psychology of Taker only working on the head right here. Like he's punching the head, he's kicking the head, he's hitting the head on stairs, he's hitting on steps, he's headbutting it. Like that's what he's he's trying to open up his head. You know, I do. I, I like that. And the announcers keep praising Kennedy's Vaseline strategy, saying it must be working here because <laughs> he, he hasn't been opened up yet. <laughs> But, uh, you know, Undertaker's strategy is going to change here in a few minutes as we get to that. Uh, Kennedy actually does get an advantage for a minute. He reverses an Irish whip on the outside and sends Undertaker into the steps in a familiar spot we've seen a few times. And he starts trying to bust Undertaker open, slamming his head into the table, punching the dead man, trying to open him up. 
And then uh, another spot we've seen a few times, Kennedy tries to jump off the apron with a double axe handle on Undertaker, but Taker catches him and slams Kennedy into the ring post to take control again. Yeah, so he's um, moved on to the ribs, basically. Gone from the head down to the ribs. I guess the Vaseline was too much for him, you know, <laughs> so he's going to take his attacks down to the rib cage. So couldn't penetrate that old Vaseline. So get back in the ring. Taker's kicking and punching the ribs. He puts... Uh, Puts Kennedy on top turnbuckle that has no pad, and Kennedy sells it like he just got hit with like a, a brick bat in the, in the beans. Right. So he's like, Goal! like, like only oversell Kennedy can do. Yeah, he really yeah. like you know I called him the Mark with the mouth compared to Deadpool. He kind of he, he to me he's like he's doing yeah. a Ryan Reynolds impression. Like that's who Mr. Kennedy is yeah, trying perfect. to be. Man. Yeah, <laughs> he's trying to be the Ryan Reynolds of wrestling. Yeah, and he yeah. Is... Who at this time was just on like two guys are going to pizza place, oh, <laughs> waiting. Van Wilder, <laughs> or waiting. Oh, yeah. Dude, oh, how many times have we watched waiting in your apartment? Oh, uh, way too many. <laughs> way too many. That and uh, Gra- Grandma's Boy were big movies for us in 2006. <laughs> I can't tell you. I think I only saw Grandma's Boy one time through. Man, I only what? ever watched. In another time. Watch it all the time. We we turned we started her down over every time. <laughs> <laughs> time. Kevin Nash. <laughs> diesel in it. You're right. I think we just turned it on and then like fell asleep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, we watched Waiting way too much. So. <laughs> Golly, what a stupid movie. Well, all this was a stupid strategy. Rule. This was a stupid strategy. You know man. who Kennedy is? What? Whoa. Hold the phone. Right. You know Kennedy is speaking of waiting. He's Dane Cook. That's a much better He's comparison. Dane Cook. You're right. You're much He's Dane better. Cook. Oh, I hate Dane Cook. Anyway. But guess what? <laughs> That's it. Did we love Dane Cook in 2006? Absolutely. We did. That's the pro- that's the problem. Uh, it does not age uh, well. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but he was the most popular oh, guy man. in the world back Perfect. then. Perfect. Oh man. You see you hit it hit it spot on here. Uh, well, Dane Cook was stupid, and oh. I'm just gonna say Undertaker's this this logic of this match is stupid. As Undertaker works over the ribs, and JBL is praising this strategy because he picks up that the Undertaker is trying to make Mr. Kennedy bleed internally. Which I don't know, man. It seems like it'd be a lot easier to bust somebody's head open than it would to make them bleed internally and spit up blood. Which has that even ever been done in a first blood match? Is that like even does that even count? Like, because we're all bleeding and inter- we've got blood on the inside of all of us. So how even how does that count if you make somebody bleed and turn? Oh, it's like they're trying to get too cute here, man. That's not. Yeah. It's dumb. Yeah. I don't like it. Don't care for it. Not a fan. I, well, it actually, it actually winds up. Happening, I guess we're going to go back to the future here. <laughs> it actually ends up happening. So, because, yeah, Taker keeps working the midsection, and um, Kennedy winds up rolling out of the ring and bleeding from the mouth, but the ref doesn't see it. And MVP runs down with a towel and helps him wipe the blood from his mouth, and they go to, like, kind of walk away together, and then MVP turns the tide on Kennedy and gets him back for the last few weeks, throws him back into the ring as payback. So, you know, said earlier on the night, his guy's back, but actually he turned his back on him, so... Yeah, and I have a lot of problems with this match, uh, but I don't think the crowd fully understood what was happening there. I don't know if they could see 
Because, I mean, the, uh, oh, the, no. even the TV cameras don't fully get Kennedy coughing up blood and Mm-mm. MVP wiping it away. I'm not sure the crowd fully got the story that was supposed to be going on here that Kennedy, I guess, was supposed to lose there because I guess spitting up blood counts in a first blood match. I don't really know. It's it's all a little ridiculous here. But go ahead. Well, I thought that because he had that white towel, we we're going to see a lot of blood on the white towel. And like that would kind of be like the signal to the fans, like, hey, look, he's bleeding. They would kind of be like, oh, no, he's like he should win. But like, you barely see any of the blood on the towel when he wipes off his face. It's just like a little dribble, you know? So I don't know. It's, you know. Maybe he had less blood. Maybe Taker should have worked in his midsection harder. I think so. More blood. Uh, you know, first blood matches, I don't know how you feel about this, man, but. I'm not a huge fan of them. I, like, just you can't do near falls in them. It's not like other gimmick matches. Even a casket match, you can kind of do spots where you almost get them in and create that drama. Mm-hmm. But there's none of that in a first blood match. You can't do yeah. false finishes with blood. Even with the Punjabi prison, they could. Right. We're working in false finishes in there somehow. But that's kind of yep. that's how you build drama in a wrestling match, and there's no way to do that with first blood. That's very true, man. Although my favorite match I ever on No Mercy was Shawn Michaels versus The Rock in a fantasy league, and it took literally took me sixty minutes to make a uh, The Rock bleed. So that was wow. I do appreciate that. But that was again that was that was, was in sixty four. But right. yeah, yeah. In real life though, no, you're right, man. There aren't any false finishes. So it's just like, oh, he's gonna whack him with this. Did he bleed? No. Okay. Was gonna whack him with this. Did he bleed? No. So yeah, it's not really. <laughs> Doesn't sell the drama, you know, no. like uh, like the band Live did. Exactly selling the drama. Well, they try to sell the drama in the ring as Kennedy tries to work over Undertaker some more after he's been uh, put in the ring. Um, Taker hits Kennedy in the corner, uh, but Kennedy kind of slips out and sort of hits like a stun gun on Undertaker into the exposed turnbuckle. But Charles Robinson's yeah. checking Taker; he's not busted open yet. Uh, MVP then runs in with a chair, and another thing that frustrated me in this is that he's about to hit Kennedy with the chair to get some more revenge on Kennedy, and Charles Robinson tries to stop him and play tug-of-war with the chair and wrestle away from, from him, except it's a no-DQ match. It's first blood. No, yeah. Why? Why are they doing right. this? I don't know, man, why Charles Robinson had to get involved there. I love Charles Robinson, but yeah, that spot did not make any sense from a psychology standpoint. It, it leads to him getting knocked out of the ring, but even if he would have hit Charles Robinson with a chair, it's still no DQ. Exactly. Like, he could have just hit him with a chair or pushed him down. Like It didn't have to have this tug of war over the chair. No, they do this whole deal where it's going to lead to, well, it leads to MVP. He turns around and slams Undertaker with the chair because Kennedy's gotten out of the way. And that's what busts Undertaker open, and they're selling it like, oh, Charles Robinson didn't see MVP do it. But again, it doesn't yeah, matter. who cares? It doesn't matter if Kennedy did it or MVP do it. It's no DQ. Like, as long as Undertaker starts bleeding, it's over. It's They're overcomplicating this. And also, I don't think the crowd fully understood that they were trying to sell this thing between MVP and Kennedy either, because it's like they don't really react to the fact that MVP accidentally hit... Undertaker. I don't think they fully grasped the tension that's supposed to be going on between these two. It seemed like they thought MVP was trying to hit Undertaker, and that's why right. you know, 
this whole thing is just a dud, in my opinion. It just all falls flat. Yeah, because well, after this chair shot, Taker gets up and he is his head's covered and going for MVP. And Kennedy attacks from behind, and Charles Robinson rolls his little self back in the ring, and he sees the blood on Taker as he's kind of fighting with MVP, and he just calls for the bells. So um, Kennedy wins it nine minutes and 15 seconds and it's kind of an anticlimactic win here oh, honestly it's, it's like a it was like a raw finish the crowd booed the crap out of that finish oh yeah not because taker lost because it sucked <laughs> yeah just like last month the crappy finish last month with the dq on undertaker crappy finish this month here is kennedy gets a cheap win and uh, he calls for his mic down from the ceiling and stands over Undertaker and starts to do his gimmick and say his name, but Undertaker sits up, chokes him, starts beating the crap out of Mr. Kennedy as Michael Cole repeats the old adage as he says, you don't make the Undertaker mad. You know that old adage. That's, uh, I didn't really know that yeah. one. That's not the, <laughs> never heard that one before. Mm. That old familiar no, adage. No, man. You don't tug on Superman's cave. You don't spit in the wind. You don't, uh, Make Undertaker mad. That's yes. it. Apparently. That's it. Yeah. That's it. No, nobody's ever heard that or said that. That's not an old adage. It's not vintage Michael Cole. It's not vintage Taker. I don't know, man. He's yeah, they're off, man. They're off this whole run. These whole few months. Oh six, they just took some quaaludes or something and were out of it. Uh, I don't know. It was killing but, me this week. Well, Taker's killing Kennedy in the corner here, and then he grabs a chair and he hits I mean, I'm not even kidding. This is one of the most brutal chair shots we've covered on this on this podcast. So he hits Kennedy, and his head goes like the folding part folds over his head. Like it's the chair like opens on his head, and it's stuck on his head. And ooh, I mean, the only the only worst chair shot I can think of with that is the one that Stevie Richards hit on JBL. You know, we covered not too long ago. That was pretty nasty. I mean, this one is. I, I don't remember this one, but it should go down yeah. in like the top five nastiest chair shots you'll yeah. ever see. It sounds see. like a gunshot. Dude, it busts Kennedy open. Uh, and I think Kennedy literally got a concussion here because mm-hmm. Undertaker tries to get him up for a tombstone and Kennedy is like not there because he doesn't get up for it right, mm-hmm. doesn't take it right. And I think it's because he's not all there. <laughs> yeah. Well, the way that Taker hits him with the tombstone when he falls, like Kennedy, he just, yeah, he's, I wrote in my notes that he doesn't, he doesn't know how to take the move, but. I think you're right. I think he got knocked loopy, man. <laughs> so, I don't know how you couldn't get knocked loopy no, off of I that chair shot. It is, oh, Golly. man. Did not, did not get his hands up say, for that one. No, he didn't. <laughs> but this whole time, ever since the match ended, there's been no Kennedy music playing, no Taker music playing. It's been quiet the whole time. So I do appreciate that. They're kind of mm-hmm. letting it breathe. I did you too. Know? And then Taker does something that we rarely see, and he actually removes his glove. And he's going to beat Kennedy some more. And, of course, you know, bare knuckle fighting, you know, like old Bill Regal and uh, Dave Taylor would do over in England, I guess. So he's going to take a page out of their book and start bare knuckling Kennedy in the bloody forehead. And JBL is just, how is no one out here? How is is Teddy Long sent nobody out here to help him? Like, you know, and he blames Teddy Long for all of this, 
Oh, Everything oh, is Tay Long's fault. He hates Tay Long. Yeah. He probably hated See No Evil too. Yeah. Well, what does he know? <laughs> Millionaire. Oh well, I hated this man. <laughs> it was nonsensical in so many different ways. Um, I just, it was all just garbage to me. I already explained all the crap I didn't like about it and crappy finish. Didn't do anybody any favors, man. I. Uh, maybe I'm just soured on watching too much Kennedy all in one night, but uh, I mean, how how would you feel about it? I don't think I hated it as much as you did, but I did yeah. not like it that much. And again, it's you can tell it's it's. I wrote my note. It's it's part of a whole. But it was the Randy Orton stuff. I looked forward to it being parts of a whole. You know, I looked forward to that the whole story being told. I'm I'm done here. Like Takers wiped the floor with them over and over again. Even though Kennedy has the W's on like the win loss record. It's just—it's more of an angle that could have been played out in SmackDown, in my opinion, rather than like a marquee match. So, I don't know. Yep, you're exactly. Doesn't right. blow your wig back, that's for sure. No, not a bit. How'd you know I was wearing a wig? No, sorry. <laughs> not supposed to tell people that. <laughs> nah, dude. This. Uh, it, yeah, it just points to so many problems uh, during this time, and problems that we're still seeing in WWE to this very day. Uh, that you can point back to during this time is developing but uh you know we'll leave it there we'll uh let you guys fill us in with how you felt about it uh you can always hit us up on social media because we do want to hear your opinions and what you thought of this match and all of the matches that we talk about here at talking taker on facebook twitter and instagram and we will keep this ride rolling 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 on to the last ride as we close out the year of 2006 in the career of the undertaker we close out this trilogy with a last ride match, like I just said there, with Undertaker and Thank Kennedy God. at Armageddon. Thank God it's the last ride. It's about all oh I can my. take. <laughs> oh my. Oh my. Calm down, man. Calm down. We'll get there. Sure. Uh, we'll get to that next week, of course. Uh, if you want to subscribe to the podcast, if you haven't done that already, can do that leave us a rating leave us a comment and make sure you get that episode uh, whenever it drops you know we dropped our episode last week a uh, day early for the thanksgiving holiday or if you were subscribed to it you would have got it right there when you open up your podcast app and seen that uh if not you know we do post them on social media so you see them when they drop on there did get a few comments here about this match. Uh, Evan John 97 he's been commenting with us uh, every week here lately, said he liked the way that uh, Taker made it rain blood on Kennedy, uh, which, you know, it was cheesy, but it was still a cool visual there. Uh, but uh, I think we disagree with you here, Evan. Yeah, my problem wasn't the vision. It's the fact that Kennedy stood there for, like, right. 45 seconds. Like, the idea, I love the idea. That should have been. That's mind game. That's vintage Taker to borrow a line from Cole. Like yeah, I love sure. that, but it's just the, the way that the execution of it. I, I, and it's probably because it's freaking Dane Cook, Merc Mouth, Ryan Reynolds, Kennedy. <laughs> well, he said Evan said that Kennedy and Taker's feud was one of the year's best, and I have to say we can't can't go down that road with you, Evan. But that's you know that's the interesting part of this is. Uh, we're revisiting it, seeing how our opinions either changed or stayed the same, and uh, we know everybody feels different out there. So it's it's uh, we're cool if you guys disagree with us. That's what makes us fun too. Yeah, and I'll just add to that too. Again, um, 
this was on a Friday night SmackDown. We're 20 years old uh, in college. I'm not staying home on a Friday night watching SmackDown. You know, I'm taping it, maybe watching it later. So we weren't living this every single week. We were definitely more Raw fans at this point. It was live. It was must-see. We watched it together. You know, like, so that may be part of my, our, my like, perspective here is a little skewed because we've there every single night watching. You know, does that make sense? So, like, maybe Evan yeah. was. Maybe he watched it all the time and he loved it and just ate it up. So, I mean, I could honestly see how you might think that. But, again, 20-year-olds in college on a Friday night, we weren't sitting home. You know, I was, I guess I had a girlfriend at this point, too, you know, and you probably did, too. So we are hanging out with our buddies or doing whatever, you know. I was playing guitar till the wee hours in the morning on a Friday, doing something. So, oh, I did not. So I was have watching a uh, Dave point, Taylor for sure. <laughs> oh, that's true. You did not. I, I did. Was, uh, so. I was excited for the Divas Trick or Treat Battle Royal. That was my girlfriend at the time. At <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> Swap SD said the uh, the beating Taker gave Kennedy after the match was just brutal AF. Uh, which, man, can't disagree with that. Absolutely What's that? nasty. What's that stand for? Abercrombie and Fitch. Yeah, yeah. it was a brutal Abercrombie and Fitch right there. <laughs> and then uh, our buddy Watch Along Wrestling at Watch WrestlePod said, My word, Ken Kennedy vs. Undertaker went on for a damn long time. <laughs> <laughs> Couldn't say it better myself, friend. <laughs> Uh, so 2006 was not a great year for Taker, but the good news, Travis, yeah. Royal Rumble 2007 is around the corner. We get the start of Undertaker and HBK's feud. We get the start of great WrestleMania matches for the Dead Man, and uh, so he got us helped us see the light at the end of that tunnel. So thank you, uh, Watch Along Wrestling. Uh, we are Whew, getting yeah. there soon. We got a fun end of 2019 here in podcast world as we'll hit up armageddon 2006 next week and then uh we are gonna take a little break from the timeline uh, as far as undertaker goes uh do sort of a bonus special combo episode yeah we talked about this a little bit on december 20th so right in time for christmas we're gonna close out the year with a little christmas present we're gonna talk about ECW December to Dismember. We're going to talk about The Undertaker's time in ECW on that episode as well. His two matches on ECW and Sci-Fi and analyze those. But really, we just want an excuse to talk about our experience going live to December to Dismember. Uh, one of the yes. biggest garbage fires of a pay-per-view of all time. Uh, we have some fun stories to share about being on the ground there in Augusta, Georgia, in our hometown for this ridiculous pay-per-view. Uh, we're actually going to do a watch-along, not of the whole show, and we can't do that to ourselves, but we're going to watch along the main event, the Extreme Elimination Chamber, and uh, share what it was like to be there in the crowd on that night. So uh, I think that's going to be a fun uh, sort of change of pace, but still keeping on that Undertaker theme. We'll talk about him and ECW and tie that in as well. After that, we're going to jump over and fill in one of the gaps in our timeline that we skipped earlier in the podcast and do mm -hmm. Royal Rumble 1992. We'll do a watch along of that one. Uh, before we start the new year off, uh, new year of 2020 and new year in the career of The Undertaker with a watch along of Royal Rumble 2007. Obviously a... Yep. Uh, more important Royal Rumble in the career of The Undertaker than the 92 one, but the 92 one is fun uh, for different reasons. But uh, three watch alongs in a row 
uh, for us there. We have fun doing those. We hope you guys have fun listening to them. Of course, you don't have to watch along, but you know it'll help us. Uh, you know, during the holidays, we can knock those out pretty quickly and, and give you guys some new content without having to do all the research that we always do. Uh, but also still try to give you guys some quality stuff. So we will have those out to you. That's what the schedule looks like going forward. But uh, yeah, man. Uh, one other thing I'll say before we close it out. Another person I was going to give a shout out to here was uh, someone who uh, started following us and liking our stuff on Instagram at Doomsday DC. Uh, as a big Undertaker fan, uh, Undertaker cosplayer, and uh, shouted us out, said, uh, let me pull it up here, said, so glad your podcast exists. I've been listening for about a month now, just randomly searching through your episodes, uh, and they loved it. So we do appreciate that. We love hearing from cool. new listeners out there. Uh, we love hearing from the old listeners, Michael Larkin, uh, the Bottom Line Podcast, Randy Turco, all you guys out there keep shutting us out every week. Cavante Small said something yep. fairly recently, too. We hadn't heard from him in a while, but it was good to hear from him. Yeah, he, uh, he talked about our thoughts on the Broken Thank you, yes, we were covering sessions. the Broken Skull Sessions, yeah. And uh, Gary Thorpe, one, two, three, four, five. He has been commenting. He's been binging <laughs> our episodes, man. He's he's through. He's into the hundreds now, so he's about to catch up to the timeline. So, man, Dang. kudos to you uh, for doing that. Mad respect. Yeah. And thank you. Uh, every single download means a lot to us. Every listener, every follower. Yep. We're closing in on 2,000 followers, and uh, we're gonna. Uh, that's gonna be uh, our Royal Rumble '92 bonus show is gonna be a sort of thank you for uh, you guys hitting us to 2,000 followers here. So we're excited to do that. Excited to close out this year, and uh, it's gonna be fun, man. Uh, once we get through Kennedy, we're gonna have a lot more fun, buddy. Oh yeah. Well, if you were there at the Wachovia Center, which I don't even think Wachovia is a bank anymore. I think they've been eaten alive by other banks. But anyway, if you were there in Philadelphia. JBL's ashamed of you at the end of this match. He says he's ashamed of the Philadelphia fans because of how they cheered The Undertaker and his brutality. Again, this is the home of ECW. So, uh, anyway, if you were there at the Wachovia Center, let us know what you thought about the clean sweep from DX over Team RKO and thought about seeing uh, Dusty Rhodes in the ring for, uh, you know, he was in ECW for a minute back in the day. So, you know, here he is back in Philadelphia. So, let us know what you thought of this match. Uh, um, I don't know what you could possibly think of this match. I really would like to know if you were there. What did you think of Ken Kennedy and The Undertaker in the first blood match? So other than that, ladies and gentlemen, I got three words for you. Take her easy. Church! Church! <laughs> Yay! I see y'all sitting ready for your big street fight match against MVP tonight. Can't listen tonight. There's no way that MP, MVP can avoid facing you one on one. See, in this street fight, there are no disqualifications, no countouts. I mean, anything goes. You, there are no rules, Kane. It's, it's kind of like your DVD. See no evil. I, I mean, you can go out there and do your own thing. I mean, and do it right. What do you say about that? Well, Kane, uh, take your business out there tonight, now. <laughs>